You are listening to a Cold Lake Community Church podcast. We hope today's message inspires you. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families connect. Well, good morning, church. Do you know, I'm so excited to be here today. I really am. There's some amazing people in this church that I absolutely love. That I've been doing ministry for years. And there's many of you that I don't know very well that I'm hoping to know better very soon. And uh, things are starting to pick up a bit at the church. There's been some changes. Things are never, never so set in stone that uh, we're Im- immovable. And um, flexibility is uh, what Pastor Lance used to say is a team's greatest asset. And uh, I think there's truth in that. Um, and this morning, we're going to be talking about contemplation. And uh, I don't know, Natalie, do I need to do something different to get my picture working? Ah, thank you. Contemplate. I saw this picture, and I really liked it. And I don't know if it was the elephant. I don't know if it was the cat or dog that's sitting next to the elephant. Or if it just reminded me of going down to Kinnisoo Beach, sitting on by the lake and looking out and towards the water. But uh, I know yesterday the family and I, we went to the Edmonton River Valley Zoo. And it was a lot of fun. Speaking of elephants, we got to meet Lucy, who was there. We got to see her when she went for her little walk. And... Asked some questions. We got to see a lynx, a little lynx presentation where they jumped. I guess they feed him, and they basically they've taught this like lynx how to do almost tricks. Like they like put the food up, and it bounce jumps from like one pillar to another really far away. And I, it's interesting when you see animals at the zoo because I don't know what I would do if I was walking through the woods and just like came across a lynx because they're kind of interesting looking creatures. They're really cool. But it just amazes me at the variety and how complex God has made life. And all these different creatures that you see when you go to the zoo and you think, I didn't even know that existed. God is so amazing. And, um, but contemplation, that's something to think about, isn't it? Contemplation. And um, it's a spiritual discipline that sometimes we don't think of as overly spiritual thinking. But our thought life is incredibly important to our spiritual condition, to our walk with God, and God cares about our thought life. Our thought life is important because our thought life will dictate often how we feel, how we express ourselves, how we move and interact with the world around us. And uh, I think everybody knows this, if you've ever been in a room with someone who's in a really bad mood, that our thought life is incredibly important. And so today we're gonna be talking about the spiritual discipline of contemplation and meditation. I'm just gonna open up with a word of prayer. Father God, this morning we just thank you, God, for your beautiful presence. God, I thank you, Lord, that this morning every person that is here has chosen to spend their morning here to worship you in this church. And God, I pray that you would come today, God, that we would come with a heart-filled with joy and gratitude, God, for who you are and what you've done in our life. Lord, that we would be here, God, with that expectation that Gore talked about for what you are going to continue to do. 
And God, I pray that, Lord, we would have a desire to be transformed by your presence, transformed by the power of your Holy Spirit every time we come to church, every time we gather as a group. Lord, every time we get in your presence when we're by ourselves with our word, when we're out for a walk, God, when we're meditating on you, Lord, that we would expect your Holy Spirit to transform us and renew our mind on a daily basis. God, may our hearts be open this morning. God, would we be ready to hear your word? And may, God, it build us up with faith and confidence. Um, so, God, I thank you and I praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the last few weeks, it's almost been like a little mini sermon series, I guess. Uh, a few weeks ago, I talked on rest. And uh, I was speaking about how our society is so busy and often so restless. And I recently heard a quote that uh, said that something along the lines of some people believe that busyness is of the devil. But busyness is the devil. In the sense that when we are busy and distracted from really what's happening spiritually in our life, everything else can be out of whack. That our spiritual life, that we have kind of a compass. And there's a rhythm of life that God has shown us through his word that he's designed us to live in. And when we get outside of that rhythm, all of a sudden life begins to get uncomfortable. All of a sudden stress increases. All of a sudden we're feeling a little bit tense. All of a sudden we don't have the patience that we used to have with our kids that we had six months before. And I spoke about how in our society we're so busy and we very rarely take times to really rest, to take a Sabbath rest. And I spoke about a few distinctive qualities that a Sabbath holds. One is to rest. One is to delight in God, to approach God with a heart of worship and a worshipful attitude all the time. And this morning we're going to be talking about contemplation meditation. I discussed how rest in God is more than just a day off from work, but it's a day that's intended to be a day filled with the presence of God, a day where your mind is focused on the things of God in the person of Jesus Christ. And he is our focus of our attention and our heart attitude for the day, and we can learn to rest in him. Not just rest from work, because most of us fill up our days off with unpaid work and we might work twice as hard on a day off than we do on a day at work, if we're realistic. And so a Sabbath day is a day that we rest in Jesus, not just rest from work. And um, last week I spoke about delighting in God and how it's an extension of our worship. And that worship's not limited to gathering in a group and singing songs to celebrate his goodness what he's accomplished through Jesus Christ, but that worship is a whole lifestyle. It's something that we do every day. It's every aspect of our life and our attitude that we bring to life every single day. And so this morning, we're going to discuss contemplation and meditation. Why? Because I believe it's a lost discipline within the church, something that God has been showing me this summer that I need to do more of and that I have been doing more of, and it's been so fulfilling. God's been showing me so much by taking time to stop and to really rest and to read his word and to meditate on his word and to contemplate my life and my Lord and his role in it. And um, 
This morning, I believe that it's something in vital that I want to share because I believe that contemplation and meditation is vital to our spiritual growth. And uh, I hope that all of us in the room want to grow spiritually, want to be somewhere farther along, deeper in our relationship with Jesus next year than we are right now. For some of us in this room, where you are right now might be completely untenable. Your current life state might be unlivable. And God wants to enter into your unlivable state and bring his peace and his love and restore you, renew your mind. He wants to restore your spirit. He wants to breathe life into you once again so that you can walk confidently with your head held high, knowing who your God is, so that you can walk in victory, that you can walk a life of abundant life, not just just getting by by the skin of my teeth, life. Psalm 1, 1 to 3, the beginning of the Psalms, it says, Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked, or stand around with sinners and join in with scoffers. But they delight in doing everything the Lord wants, day and night they think about his law. They're like trees planted along a river bank, bearing fruit in each season without fail. Their leaves never withering, and in all they do, they prosper. I love that. Blessed are those who delight in doing everything the Lord wants, and who think about his law day and night. And a person whose mind is focused on the things of God on doing what God wants in their life is going to be a blessed man or a blessed woman. And God invites us to invite him into every area of our life because he wants us to live a blessed life because a blessed life ultimately is a life by God's design. It's God's will for our life. And when we step outside of God's ideal will for our life, things get hard sometimes. But the interesting thing is when we get into God's will. Life gets hard sometimes. And so you cannot judge your feelings about your current circumstances as whether or not that's God's will for your life. If your expectation is that life will feel easy, it'll feel like I'm in the flow, it's like I'm going down a river, not against the, not against the flow, but I'm just floating down the river and paddling, and all of a sudden, you're getting some speed and momentum. If that's what living God's will all the time is like in your mind, you're going to be disappointed because there are going to be days where God's going to ask you to turn around or go back up the river a little ways and relearn something maybe that you missed along the way. And if we're not willing to do that, we're going to stunt our growth, and we're probably going to get stuck on a cliff somewhere looking out seeing the potential of what God has, the dreams that he's given us, and not know how to get there. We can get stuck spiritually if we're not willing to live life God's way, if we're not willing to put his kingdom first in our life and invite him into every area. We're not called to live a life that's spiritually segregated. I know sometimes we become acutely aware of God's presence in our lives once a week. When we come into a church, when we get together with the people of God and we're singing worship songs and we're entering into God's presence in, a, in an atmosphere like this. But God's presence 
doesn't entirely leave you every day the second you walk out these doors. Did you know that? Did you know that God is with you every single day? And when you leave this place, God is filling you up so you have something to give out. It's beyond just coming so that we can feel good, so that we can do what we need to do this week. God actually has things in the week that he desires for you to do. But first and foremost, he cares about who you're becoming in the process. I truly believe this, that God cares more about who we are and who we're becoming and being conformed to his image and learning who we are in him than what we tactfully do for the kingdom. And um, because this is how it works, when we know who we are in God and we're attuned to God's spirit and his voice, and we can hear his voice and we learn to walk in obedience, we will do the things that he's calling us to do. But if we're focused on the mechanical mechanisms of doing a Christian spiritual life, and we miss out on the presence of God in our life, we don't learn to grow deeper in Jesus. We don't learn to contemplate the deeper things of the Spirit. We're going to be disappointed. Contemplation is a discipline that involves deep thinking and reflection. Contemplative prayer is a process in which we invite the Holy Spirit to be part of our thought life. It's asking questions. It's seeking deeper knowledge of God. It's being drenched with the Word of God. It's the ice bucket challenge of thoughtfulness. I'm glad that's over, by the way. I was getting so many, so many invites, and I never did it. I guess I was just chicken. I knew if I just needed to do it. I'm somebody that sometimes if I don't just jump into it, I just will never break the ice, you know? I'm somebody that has to dive in. I can't just go in a little bit at a time because then you get up to your waist in Cold Lake, and you're like, oh, nope, I'm out. You got to just go. Sometimes you just got to jump off, off the dock, if you know what I mean. But um, here we go. So contemplation. It's pondering the word of God. It's allowing the word and the truth of God's word to root deep in our being, into our souls, into our spirits. And in the process, we renew our minds. It's allowing the truth of God's word to conform our thinking to the the way God thinks. The regular habit of contemplative prayer can help us desire to worship God more as I talked about last week, that walking in obedience to God, it's a, you know, that it's worship when we do it for no other reason than we desire to serve him and love him. That worship is when we obey God's word for no other reason than we delight in him because we know when we do, we get filled up. We know when we get into God's presence that we're restored and we're renewed so we can go out and be the light and salt to the earth and the world around us. Galatians 6, 7 to 8 says, you, are, you will always harvest what you plant. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. The New Living Translation puts it this way. It says, You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that very sinful nature. 
But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. What are you sowing into your life? And how do you know what you're sowing into your life? Well, one way to know is to look at the fruit of your life. Is there love? Is there joy? Is there peace? Is there patience? Kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Do people like being around you? Or do people flee when they see you at the grocery store? Duck behind the aisle. Oh, you've done it too. When I say so, what I'm really saying is that we allow the presence, the Spirit of God to come into our life. And we walk in obedience and we begin to plant seeds for our spiritual growth and development. I'm not, now not talking about saving the world. I'm talking about our own personal spiritual growth and development. It's being intentional about what we allow into our life, what we allow ourselves to consume, what we allow to pass through the gates of our eyes. It's what we allow ourselves to hear and listen to and think about. And these things are important because, you know, there's that saying, what you are, what you eat. And it's true. Spiritually, we are what we eat. But the problem is most of us are famished and eating poison. And then we wonder why our spiritual life seems like we're sick all the time. And we're always two steps behind and we just feel drained and have no energy and we don't know what's going on. And it's like, I thought I was supposed to live an abundant life, but for some reason it doesn't feel like it's working. Do we continually sow into the flesh, doing whatever we want and feel like doing? Or do we view our time and our thoughts and our being as God's and a place where we're making investments for the kingdom of God? Because whatever we consume, whatever we cultivate, we'll get more of in our life. You don't sow alfalfa and get barley. I don't know. They're not the same strains of a different, same, anyhow. You know what I'm saying. You don't plant daisies and get a rose bush. You're going to reap what you sow. And so are we sowing into the things of the Spirit? Or do we spend most of our time sowing into things of the flesh? When it comes to our spiritual development, are we consuming and sowing and creating an earth that is great for the world but not great for our spiritual health? And um, that's a question to ask ourselves. Galatians 6, 8 here. It says, those who sow to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. It's not on there, but the following verse in verse 9 says, so let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. This morning, I want to say, church, don't give up. If you're in a rough place right now, if you're feeling like I am spiritually drained, I have not been sowing into a spiritual it's my spiritual life. I've been sowing into a lot of different things. Don't give up. All it means, some of these things in your life, 
is this a warning sign. It's saying, time to wake up and change course. Is a loving father saying, it's time to repent. Turn away from what you're doing and pursue me to focus your attention and your focus on me, not this other stuff that is consuming you. Maturity is not doing whatever feels good in the moment and not considering the consequences. You know, Sophia is three. And uh, sometimes, you know, we're trying to explain to things why she hurt to her, why she can't do certain things. And it's been really interesting because it's really been noticeable to me the difference between maturity and immaturity. Immaturity, she really, in a lot of ways, is immature. She's only three. And so when she wants something, she wants it. Anyone else in here like that? When you want something, you want it. It doesn't matter if you have the money or not. There's credit cards for that. That you just do what feels good in the moment. But maturity is knowing and identifying how you feel and saying, God, this is how I feel. What should I do? And waiting to hear from God, creating, having that plan and strategy from heaven and implementing it. And it requires a couple things. It requires being able to hear God's voice. It might require patience. And it requires self-discipline or self-control, a fruit of the Spirit. And wisdom, which the Spirit will bring. You know, one thing that Sophia sometimes doesn't fully understand yet is cleaning up after you're done playing with something. Before you take out something else start playing with that thing. And we lived in a two-bedroom basement suite that was a pretty decent size, a beautiful place. My, la my old landlord is in the room. Beautiful place. But when you live in a small place with four people, you got to be organized or your whole living space just feels chaotic all the time. And so my wife was really good at organizing and giving the kids a toy box. And so that's where all their toys went. When they're done playing, they had to start cleaning up their toys. And people would come over and be so amazed that like a one-year-old would just be like going and picking up her toys when they're done, putting them back in the bin and pushing the box back under the table. People would be standing there in awe. Like, you know, we have a, some people have whole floors that are just child domain. It's like, it's going rock climbing after a rock slide. It's like trying to get through the house, you know, trying to climb through, stepping on toys and Lego bricks and whatever else. That, that couldn't have been our house. I, I couldn't have handled it. I would have been sleeping in a tent in the backyard if that was the case. But some of us live our spiritual life this way. We're so haphazard. There's no order to it at all. And I look at God. I don't see a chaotic God. I see an orderly God who has plans and processes. A God who put the universe into existence, placed the stars in the sky, knew the exact moment when he was going to come and enter it as a man, in the person of Jesus Christ, and redeem a lost and broken world. And we get to be part of it. We get to be part of this epic story. It's an absolute amazing thing. And um, if we want to grow spiritually, we have to be able to fill our lives with the Word of God. We need the presence of God in our life, and we need some discipline to be able to do the things that God is calling us to do. The spiritual disciplines, such as contemplation and meditation, are focused, is basically having a heart that's fully focused on God. It's where we commune with God, and it's the place in which we become transformed. You see, sometimes we think that the only transformational experiences are those when we're at a service and someone prays for you, and pa, and it's, and it's an emotional thing. 
Jordan, I can tell you sometimes the most transformational moments are those moments where you're walking and you have a decision to make. You can do what you know is right or you can do what you feel like doing in the moment. And when we can get to the place where we say, you know what, God, I'm going to do what your word says. I'm going to be faithful and do it even though I don't feel like it. That's a transformational moment. That's a moment where God is becoming more the Lord of your life than you are the Lord of your life. It means that you are becoming a disciple of Jesus. And it's a gift by God's grace. We should all want to be transformed. And these spiritual practices, whether it's contemplation and prayer, meditation, fasting, and study, they don't make God love us more. It's not what makes us a better Christian, whether we do them or not. But it's about opening lines of communication, preparing ourselves to go deeper in relationship with God. And uh, Christ transforms us and gives us his eternal life. We didn't earn it, nor do we continue to earn it by doing good works after we get saved. It's not like we're always trying to catch up and keep God from pulling the rug from under our feet. Righteousness or right standing with God is not maintained by striving to live well through mere human will and determination. It's by knowing the person of Jesus and embracing his love and his grace. Romans 5.17 says, For the sin of this one man, Adam caused by death, Adam caused death to rule over many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness for all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. See, God's grace is greater than sin. It's greater than the powers of death. And we receive it, and it's a gift. And we triumph over sin through Christ, not by striving to be good and doing the disciplines. You know, there's a lot of us that acknowledge that we've not arrived, that we're not perfect beings, and that we need and live off the grace of God every single day. And human striving ultimately leads to a spiritual bankruptcy in which we no longer recognize righteousness as a gift. And we try to earn it after we've already received it. And really, it's a pointless exercise because it's not going to help you grow. God directs us to spiritual disciplines such as contemplation because it's during these moments of worship and total surrender that God can transform and shape us into his image. You know, Pastor Hayward has shared multiple times the story of, of a farmer planting seed. And our spiritual life is a bit like a farmer planting seed. I'm going to share it again. Where a farmer goes out and he starts to prepare his soil, begins to cultivate the soil. He gets it ready for, to plant. Then he takes his seed and he plants his seed. And then he waters his seed. And he might walk around sometimes and pull out some weeds, try to get rid of some of the pests that are preventing growth. But then ultimately he has to sit back and trust that it will grow. A spiritual discipline in and of itself doesn't produce growth. It's kind of like the preparation of the ground and the planting of the seed so that God can come into our life and allow us to grow. 
the spiritual growth component in our life is that is the presence of God in our life changing us and transforming us. And it's not by striving. It's by learning to rest in him, know who we are in Christ, embracing our identity in him, knowing that we are a free people who are no longer bound to sin, no longer bound to sinful habits, no longer bound to Twinkies and donuts or whatever addiction that we have this week. But we are free men. Our spiritual growth is like this. We can place ourselves and prepare ourselves so that we have optimal opportunity for growth. And we can do this by practicing spiritual disciplines, by doing the things that God instructs us to do in his word, prayer, silence, solitude, meditation, contemplation, but we can't manufacture the spiritual growth. That's the part that God has to do in us. And this is why we come to church after all, isn't it? We come desiring to be impacted by the presence of God, to get into his presence, to worship together, to have our minds renewed by the word of God. That's why we preach a message, to encourage us for the week. And um, this is where we get transformed in the tangible presence and spirit of Christ as we celebrate and worship him and internalize his word. And we allow it to change us, to transform us. And it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Contemplative prayer and meditation are one such discipline. And it might seem hyper-spiritual to think about contemplation and deep contemplation, as if it's something that only monks do sitting up somewhere on a mountainside. But that's not really true. God is it's available to all of us. And everyone... Everyone in this room is able to sow into it and reap the benefit of meditating on God's word. Effie, thank you. Um, I'd like to read Psalms 19, 7 to 8. It says, How blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. How blessed are those who observe his testimonies, who seek him with all their heart. They also do no unrighteousness. They walk in his ways. Thomas Burton is quoted as saying that true contemplation is not a psychological trick, but a theological grace. Contemplation is a practice that's foreign to many of us because our lives are so overburdened and busy, and we hardly have time to think. Sometimes we're running around with like a chicken with our head cut off. And we need to learn to stop and to rest and delight in God and begin to contemplate the things of the kingdom of God and his word and how it applies to our life. Meditation is the word used in, in the Bible most often in relation to the idea of contemplation. And it's used in the Bible with many different meanings. It can mean listening to God's word, reflecting on God's presence and his action in the world. It can mean re rehearsing internalizing God's word, declaring God's word, singing God's word. For example, Psalms 119.97, Oh, how I love your law is the meditation all day long. And when we get into the place where our spirit is attuned with God's spirit and we meditate on his, on his word and his thoughts daily, we'll even do it in our sleep. Have you ever believed you had a God dream? 
a dream that was like, wow, this, this must have been a God dream. God, God can speak to us during the day. He can speak to us when we're sleeping. And he's in communication. He's, he's communing with our spirits all the time. But some of us need to re-prepare our soil and start planting and investing into the, the spiritual soils of life and no longer into some of these other soils that are distracting and hurting us from the call that God has for our lives. My prayer for this morning is that we would to learn to delight and take joy in the word of God, that we would be able to recognize when we meet God, that we can meet him anywhere, any day, that some of the conditions that we put on when we meet with God are things that we've created. And sometimes we need to blow those up a little bit and say, God, I want to meet you every day, everywhere I go. Lord, may you never leave my, may your presence never leave me. Hmm. No matter which definition you use for meditation to contemplate God's word, something that's important about contemplation and meditation is that it manifests as life change. It affects us. When we internalize something that's important and God begins to speak to us and we begin to conform to his image, it's more than just our thoughts changing. It's more than just our heart attitude beginning to change. But it will actually begin to change our behavior. Your desires will begin to change over time organically because God will be leading and directing you. And all of a sudden, what was okay yesterday wasn't good today. I remember a few years ago, I went on a three-week mission trip to the Ukraine. And... Um, when we were there, we were in a really poor area, and we had kind of some ladies that did up our food. We stayed at this kind of camp building. And every single morning, we'd have just like this brown buckwheat slop for breakfast. And I'd be looking for the sugar bowl, and there wasn't one. And we'd have that for breakfast. And then we'd have the same thing for lunch almost every single day, some sort of borscht or some sort of soup, but didn't have a whole lot of flavor. I thought, yes, I'm going to the Ukraine. I'm going to get some amazing borscht. I got there. It was basically just like a red broth. That was like a poor man's borscht. I was thinking the nice wealthy man's borscht that you Ukrainians like to eat here that, have, that are like hearty Campbell soups, hearty, hearty soups. But that's not what I had over there. And my diet was really restricted. I think I lost like, I came back and I was like 12 pounds lighter than when I went. But what was interesting is we were, I was driving back from the airport with my dad. And my dad said, is there something you'd like to get? Are you hungry? And I said, I've been craving Captain Crunch. All I want is Captain Crunch cereal. And so my dad's like, okay. So we stopped at a shopper's drug mart because that was all that was open at that time of day. And I got some Captain Crunch and went home. I poured myself a bowl of cereal. And I took one bite. And it was like the most disgusting thing I'd ever eaten. It was my favorite cereal three weeks before before I left. Something happened. I went three weeks pretty much without sugar, without salt. And I came home, and the first time I tried a McDonald's French fry, it was inedible. I couldn't, I couldn't even eat it. That's what it's like when we enter into the presence of God after being so immersed in sin and darkness that all of a sudden we look back at the sin and darkness, and it's untenable. You can't go back there. It's so bad. It's like we have changed. Our nature has changed. We're no longer attuned and accustomed to this disgusting food that's really actually killing you, not actually making you healthy. And God's got the good stuff. And once you start eating the good stuff, you don't want to eat that other 
crap anymore, if I can say that from a pulpit. And there's some things that you guys are consuming in your life right now that you don't need to consume anymore either. No matter what definition you use to meditate in, on, on God and his word, it moves us from the superficial things that are emotionally led experience to a more deeply rooted abiding relationship with God where we learn to hear his voice and where we learn to be obedient to the voice of God. Repentance and obedience to God are the result of someone who is deeply entrenched in the practice of spiritual disciplines and seeking after the face of God with everything they have. The simplest definition for meditation that I've come across in my studying is this, the ability to hear God's voice and obey his word. Meditation ultimately is the ability to hear God's voice and obey his word. Meditation, Christian meditation, doesn't require a certain chant, sitting in a certain way with your legs crossed. It's not the emptying of your mind. In fact, Christian meditation is the opposite of these things, of these Eastern religious practices that we often think of as meditation. Eastern meditation ultimately, especially in the Buddhist faith, is largely about basically becoming completely selfless. There is no self and you're trying to reach this enlightened state of emptiness where you have no thoughts. You're just, the, enlightenment is essentially nothing. Christian meditation is the exact opposite. It's God filling us with his presence, God's word and the truth, the person of Jesus Christ filling our being and transforming us into his likeness. The problem with emptying yourself is it's impossible to empty something without something else coming back in. Have you ever tried to empty out a container of air? Have you ever taken like a bowl of something and dumped it out? Is it still empty? Well, no, there's still something in there. You maybe can't see it, but it's there. And if it were to disappear, you'd die. If we had no air. So, do you know what? It's, it's not about meditation. is not emptying ourselves. It's the exact opposite. It's filling ourselves with the presence of God and his word and his truth. And it's a practice that's written about over 50 or 60 times in the Old Testament. It's the truth that the Almighty God, the creator and Lord of all, desires to meet with you and is willing to meet with you every day. And he wants to lead you and guide you as his shepherd and his sheep. He wants you to live in communion with him. Communion is this. It means unity, closeness in regards to relationship. And it's by this relationship with God that we're transformed. This morning, it's the first of the month, and it's Communion Sunday. And so I thought I would end my message here with communion, and then we'd go into a time of worship. You have been listening to a Cold Lake Community Church podcast. We hope that you've been blessed by this teaching from Cold Lake Community Church. Thank you for your continued support of this ministry. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families connect.